0: You are listening to a podcast of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. CCEF is committed to restoring Christ to counseling and counseling to the church. You can find our podcasts, books, articles, videos, and many more resources for Christ-centered pastoral care at our website, ccef.org.
1: Welcome to CCEF on the Go host, Alistair Groves, a faculty member here at CCEF, and today I'm joined by Julie Lowe, who I have spoken with a few times before on our podcast, and by Aaron Cerrone. So all three of us are going to be doing this together today, which is really fun. Um, Aaron and Julie are also faculty members here at, at CCEF, but it's not often that we all get to be in the same room, so this is fun. Aaron's out in Montana. I'm up in New England. Julie's here in Philadelphia, so this is a, this is a real treat for us. so mm. topic today is um, failure to thrive marriages and, and specifically how, how do you think about uh, thriving in a failure to thrive marriage? Um, Julie has spent some time thinking about this. This is something she's given some some talks on. Um, and I just thought it'd be interesting, especially given your interest in marriage marriage counseling in general Aaron to to have the three of us spend some time uh just, just hashing out a little bit about um what is even meant by a failure to thrive marriage and what does it look like um to to handle that experience in a in a godly way if that's some somewhere you find yourself. So it seems to me like the obvious place to start, Julie, would be for you to say a little bit about what do you mean when you say failure to thrive marriage? Why why that term? Um and then we can dig a little bit into okay, well what what do you do <laughs> in that situation? So
0: Yeah, perhaps one thing that's really helpful to say even before that is what it's not. So I think all of us would agree when we say failure to thrive marriage, especially somebody who we're trying to help them remain in the marriage, we're not talking about abuse. We're not talking about people who are at risk safety-wise or who are being mistreated or abused. So failure to thrive isn't those things, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's how, how would I define failure to thrive? It would be... on yeah.
2: would you also add marriages where there's uh, serious addiction, um, even adultery, infidelity, unrepentant, where... Um, Would you consider it in a similar category as where there's an abusive, controlling, coercive?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, so divorce isn't a viable option. There hasn't been biblical grounds for divorce, Um, all those things. I think we probably all agree, because there are reasons why why people should remove themselves from marriages. Mm -hmm. And so we're not going down that path. We're actually going down a path where um, it's... It's living with a person who, for whatever reason, feels unsafe. Uh, maybe they feel like an enemy to me. They're unkind. They misunderstand me. Communication's hard. And maybe it feels like one person's trying more than the other. One mm-hmm. person's committed to wanting this yeah. marriage to really work, and it feels like the spouse isn't. And the temptation, which I'm sure we've all seen, is that that spouse just wants to give up. Um, they want to yeah. give up hope, and they feel like my life has, is going to be miserable because my marriage is miserable. Mm-hmm. So one of the things we really want to talk through is how do you help someone to thrive even when your marriage isn't? When that person, for whatever reason, is not committed to investing in a Christ-like marriage, to making it better, to working on it, how do you give a spouse hope to remain in that marriage?
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. You know, the way that I've been thinking about just recently is um, marriage is a covenant. Uh, There's a mutual decision um, to be committed to one another. And uh, maybe another way to say what you're saying is for marriage to thrive, to, to be growing, you really need two commitments. And the first commitment is a commitment to the marriage itself that yeah. I am in. right? I am here yeah. and I'm committed to you and then exclusively to you. And then the second commitment is, and I am committed to work on our relationship, to prioritize our relationship, to value it and to... Um, to, to see how I contribute to the problems of our marriage, right? Um, and, and what you're saying is that second piece. So some people are, yeah, I don't want to be divorced. I'm, 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 I want to be married, and I want to be married to you, but I'm really not all that interested in working on improving, on growing, on nourishing, on nurturing this us, you know, this relationship, would you you agree with
0: that? Yeah, I mean, that probably leads us into, well, what are the temptations? When you're in a failure to thrive marriage, it's to become, what, cynical, self-protective, or a fixer, like, I'm gonna make this person change, and so they try to control the behavior of the other person. It could be feeling trapped, despairing, Uh, And as we all know, the temptation to look outside the marriage for relief, too, like if this isn't satisfying the temptation to find emotional intimacy or other forms of intimacy outside the marriage. Um, So what does it look like to to not just stay in the marriage in a fatalistic way? Like, I guess I'm stuck in this till the day I die, but really say God can give you the freedom to thrive, that you can stand in the midst of a difficult marriage and not check out, not detach from it, but actually find hope in in the character of God and who He's calling you to be and still be invested in, to the best of your ability, um, nurturing the marriage and then letting go of what that other spouse will or won't do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Can I can I press
1: that? Because it, it seems to me like this is usually the, like this is the tricky bit, is mm-hmm. it, it'd be one... In, in in my experience, and I don't have a ton of experience here, but what what I tend to see is is those two poles. Either it's like I'm beating my head against a brick wall and like I can't change him or like she just won't like come and do this. Like that sort of, yes. if you would just do this, if we could just right. do that, if we could just do the other thing. And my husband is never going to change and like he just doesn't ever seem to and I can't figure out how to get him to. So there's that, like beating my head against the brick wall side of the equation. Then there's the like, okay, this is obviously not going anywhere, so... I, yeah, I check out. I think is the word you use, and I, right. I that describes my experience. And I personally, as I talk with people, find it really easy to put myself in either of those shoes and understand exactly why that makes sense. Like that, mm-hmm. that is, I can see myself very easily doing either of those things. Um, what is hard for me sometimes is even articulating what is what is this middle? Like, what does it mean to stay invested? Um, What does it mean to actually be there? So, you know, I'm thinking of an example, you know, let's say you're, let's say the the husband is kind of checked out, doesn't really pour anything in, not a very self-reflective guy, just sort of cruising along through life, doing his thing, and the wife is saying there's no intimacy to this, he doesn't really seem to care about me and the family, you know, Maybe there's the occasional date night. Maybe there's the occasional vacation, but it's just this very, there's nothing being poured in relationally here. And we're just, he's cruising and she's kind of like feeling abandoned and alone. Yeah. It's super easy to understand why she would keep trying to make him come do intimacy. It's super easy to understand why she'd be like, you know what? I'm just going to pour everything into my kids or into my work yeah. or my art or my whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm trying to think through is like, how would you describe? what it means to stay invested without um, a foolish and unrealistic expectation of a certain kind of emotional return. Mm-hmm. Does investment mean being intimate and vulnerable with the other person? Help me, that's the place where I find it most difficult.
0: Yeah, one of the things, um, one of the ideas you're hitting on is this expectation of return. And uh, in the most godly relationships, there's an anticipation of mutuality, that. Mm-hmm whether it's friendship or coworkers or colleagues or marriages there's a mutuality to a give and take
2: it's a friendship
0: right, right. it's a, it's an equal we're in this together we're both invested and what you find in a failure thrive marriage is often one person isn't and this good desire for mutuality becomes a demand and so you know take the wife who sees her husband checking out or not loving well um And what is a good desire for mutuality, this expectation of return, becomes a demand or a despair that it's not there. And so we fluctuate from all the extremes of anger to resentment to forcing to try to produce it. So what does it look like to say, um, there might never be that expectation of return, but how can I choose to love regardless? How can I choose? I'm not detaching to keep myself safe and be self-protective, but... I'm choosing to say, Lord, though this person does not love me well or pursue me, help me to look for practical, kind ways to invest and in love in this relationship. So it's not me withdrawing and just pouring myself into my kids. It's me loving my children but also saying, all right, Lord, give me give me something to do this week. I pray for my spouse. I Help me look for ways where I move towards him, and I keep that – I keep building bridges toward that person without the expectation of return, but knowing that God is able to do that. And that's that's where the struggle with hope comes in. What are we putting our hope in? Mm-hmm. And... Um, You know, I've had people say, well, Julie, then you're just telling me to give up hope on my marriage. I'm saying, no, I'm telling you, put your hope in the Lord. There Mm -hmm. is no guarantee your marriage will change. We hope it will. We know God is capable of doing that. But how do you live with the brokenness of what is and say, my hope's going to be in the fact that the Lord can help me thrive. He can give me grace in the moment. He can give me peace. I can be okay despite this brokenness. Um, And I'm going to move towards the person that's creating the brokenness. I'm not going to cut them off, but I'm going to keep trying to offer uh, myself and love to that person.
2: Yeah, and here's where you see this, the most beautiful vision of being married, or being in a marriage, being in a relationship where uh, it's unequally yoked. Mm-hmm. Um, so take it to the extreme. And scripture is, is beautiful, scripture is realistic. And it says, so let's say in... in um, Uh, 1 Peter 3, what if you're married to a spouse, to a husband or wife, who does not obey the word? Um, And then very interestingly, gives the example of Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham is the one who's not obeying the word. Um, Now, he's certainly um, a follower uh, of God, and he's the father of of our faith. But um, Scripture is very realistic that your husband, even if he is a believer, is not may not be following the word, may not be following Christ, um, or you see 1 Corinthians seven where Paul's saying, look at what if you're 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 married to someone who is not a believer at all, um, and um, so the extreme situations, and he and and God paints this vision um, of moving towards with hope, and the hope is so First Peter three is it's very realistic that you that that you were became a Christian of Christ follower. Uh, before your husband or wife did? And what is the purpose for your marriage? So as you're saying, Julie, it's it's not, first and foremost, that your relationship would be this beautiful relationship, mutual, reciprocal, uh, emanating Christ's relationship with his bride and vice versa, the bride's relationship with Christ. But actually something very, um, um, a little different, which is more an evangelistic um, to your spouse. That... um, um, that your your heart, your attitude, your mood your um, your soul entrusted to the Lord would have a quality that God uses for the salvation of your of your wife or for for your for your husband now and then you have this I mean to talk about hope no there's no promise there there's no hey, if you do this well, if you move towards well, you will in that and and, and and it's the same and the same breath, it, there's no mm-hmm. burden. Like, hey, this is on you, on be, uh, believing wife or believing husband to convert your, your spouse No, right. right.
1: right. No, 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 no,
2: that's not what Peter is saying. Um, but the, in the same thing in 1 Corinthians 7, where you had this absolutely amazing vision where Paul, like when Jesus was, was on the earth ministering, prior to that time, you had all these separation laws, these purity codes. And if someone was impure, if someone was sick, if somebody had a skin disease, you, you separated yourself. You got distance. You, right. you, you, you stayed away from them um, because you would be contaminated, right? And um, Jesus does just the opposite. He Ooh. moves towards, he touches, he cares for. And not only is he not contaminated, but he purifies. And Paul applies that to marriage in 1 Corinthians 7 and says, unbelieving. Wife or un, or a believing wife, believing a husband. How will you know? You know, if God God will use you to purify. It's just the opposite, and so there's no just do A, B, and C, or there's no if you do this, there's a um, you 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 will purify, and 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 your husband or wife will be um, a Christ follower. But it's just a magnificent vision of hope, of of not despairing, of not only not pulling away and investing in something else, but not living in disappointment, not living in um, frustration and bitterness and resentment and you know, I got, you know, uh, in shame, you know. Um, and Let me just add one more thing, moving towards also is moving towards God in the sense of, hey, how am I contributing to the the lack of thriving, the lack of, you know, am I relating to my wife in a way that is pushing her away? Mm-hmm. That it, it am I well, how I am contributing? Forget that. Um, am I? How am I contributing to the problems in my relationship? And so often times, uh, it's easy to, to 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 say, well, I want this these this kind of intimacy with my spouse, and my spouse doesn't, or is incapable of, or you know, uh, and that's 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 certainly possible.
0: Yeah. But I, I don't true. see that
2: very often. I, I what I see is. A person is either unwilling to look at um, how they're contributing, unwilling to ask and take that very seriously um, and actually make steps there. More often than I see someone who's in a relationship with the other spouse isn't, you know, absolutely has no interest. It's more typically they, um, they feel pushed out, shut down, accused, um, constantly disappointing, a disappointment to the spouse. And at some point they they, they give up, you know. Um, so it's not only how do I move towards, but how do I contribute? Can I look at that very seriously? And, and, and as you're saying, right, it, there's no, this is not a formula, but it, there's so much to be hopeful. You know?
0: Yeah, and as we're pointing out, there's so many different scenarios where often we are contributing either positively or negatively to to the marriage. Um, and then you have people that just are really despairing. They're realizing their spouse will never change. Um, and you see the hopelessness or the discouragement or even the shame. I think that's a great word too, because what you hear a lot of Christians say is they feel shame that their marriage is not that reflection of, of Christ's love and what are other people thinking of them. And somehow their testimony is lessened and they heap shame upon shame upon themselves. Um, and so I think it does go back to how do you instill hope? And then the practical side of what what does a spouse do when they're in that kind of marriage? And practically helping them navigate because there is no formula, right? Every situation, what is it? Not, how do you navigate saying, I'm going to stand on my own two feet. I'm going to keep living as unto the Lord. And, and the danger of detaching emotionally from the marriage, but still investing in it knowing it might never change but saying this is my act of worship mm. to God that I'm going to t- continue to move towards a spouse that I have no reason to think will change and how can I trust God is capable of changing that spouse but I'm not putting my hope in change I'm putting my hope in God giving me what I need to be the person he's calling me to be and man that's tricky yeah
2: but it's glorious right like when when I am faithful it's it, it like what you're saying is, let's change the goal. Um, God has different goals, has goals for each marriage, you could say. Not that he's got 80 goals, but he's got a few goals for marriage, even marriage to someone who is um, is disengaged yeah. um, from the relationship, from growing the friendship. And um, those goals are worth getting up every day and seeking God's mercy and strength and grace to to grow in love and in humility in this relationship, right? Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, the broader context that we all, no matter what relationships we're in, struggle with is how do I not put uh, value or hope in my circumstances, but the God of my circumstances. Mm -hmm. So the more I trust in God's character means the more I can live in brokenness around me because He's what gives me security, stability, uh, confidence, comfort. And I wake up saying, I can do today despite what today holds because he's faithful to me and he will give me what I need.
1: I feel like so much of what I hear both of you guys saying lines up what I've been feeling instinctively as well. But it's that it's what your what your goal is in that situation makes so much difference. If your goal is to have a good marriage. You're in a world of hurt um, yeah. because you don't have control over that. And, yeah. and perhaps the Lord, you know, there are stories of God moving into people's lives where you say, you know, the wife said, for 20 years, I never thought he'd change. And then the Lord got a hold of him. Like, so yeah. it's we, ne- we never be, give up.
2: I would say maybe moving further, Alice, it's not that there are stories we've heard of. That happens
1: right very you know frequently but but it also happens that somebody just kind of sure. cruises along and they don't make a turn but when your goal is to love someone well and entrust yourself to him who judges justly when your goal is to say like how can i be a christ-like influence i, I had a conversation in the last week or so with a with a guy where a you know, difficult situation and um a wife who is basically saying until until you are perfect i will refuse to work on anything on my side um and i'll be pushing your buttons the whole time yeah. and the guy is not perfect and i you know yeah. was saying that with it was like look you know me like i'm happy to come after you and point to some places where you could have done some things differently here but saying you know, I, I think your your strategy um, has been one of sort of trying to meet her demands. And on some levels, there's, there's, I think there's been good in that on your side of like trying to hear her and, and move toward her and do the things she's been asking of you to do. But, um, but at a certain point, it, I actually don't think you're loving her well by simply seeing it as like, okay, can I just do everything she's asking me to do yeah. on my list? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and there's a way at which there's a scary kind of step from, let me see if I can keep you happy with me, to let me actually love you and bring you what's okay. good um and that's um counterintuitively sometimes you actually make someone less happy but do what yeah. is more good other yeah. times it's you know if you're more the sort of i've been checked out person it's like no i need to re-engage and like you know what, washing his laundry may still be a, a blessing, you know, cooking meals may still be, like, that may be one of the great places where I love, even though, yeah. you know, he's never thankful and never grateful and nitpicks about it. And
2: um, I, I had a, a dear friend of mine who was in a marriage, she was married to an, uh, un- an unbelieving man, a pretty hostile to, to the Christian faith. And she, um, this is years ago, but I still remember the conversation as if it were yesterday, she said, Aaron, she worked full-time. He worked full-time. She'd come home there, probably in their 60s, and she said, I am tired. I want to go and just relax on the couch, maybe watch some news, and I hate cooking. She said, you know what the problem is? I, uh, my husband loves to eat, and he's actually, uh, he loves good food. And she said, very simply, and so I'm going to learn to cook. Mm. And I am going to. Very simple, practical.
1: Yeah. I am
2: going to serve and love Him, through meals Monday through Friday, when I am everything in me wants to just rest. Mm. Yeah. And she, put
1: the did, box yeah. of Cheerios on the table and call it a day.
0: Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. sacrificial love. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's right. an act of worship towards the Lord and right. and a sacrificial act of love. That's how she got there.
2: Was Lord. This is you know is. John 15 or John 13 where Jesus takes off the towel and just does something so mm. simple but loving and tender. Yeah. Yeah. She said it th- okay that's what my call is.
0: Right and even if it doesn't melt her spouse's heart it is softening her heart and warming her towards mm-hmm. the Lord and that's the goal at the end of the day that you and I change in relationship that we our hearts are moved to love better not that we're moving our spouse's hearts. Yeah.
1: And to remember that love is never wasted. Every yeah. tiny little bit of love, even to somebody whose heart is hard and never changes, yeah. they you have been a piece of demonstrating the Lord's mercy in their life, in a way that is glorious for all eternity and can't be taken away from you. Um, in the midst of that, so let me uh, let me wrap us up there. We could we could keep going for hours on this one uh, with many more examples. But thank you guys so much for for coming in and let me just briefly pray for, for folks in this scenario. So, Lord, we know that um, many, many, many people have been in these sorts of marriages over the course of history. And we think of Abigail and Nabal and 1 Samuel 25. We think of countless others who just um, there's a person whose heart is soft and seeking you and who is a sinner um, and there's a person who, who just seems uh, blind or hostile or uncaring and we pray, Lord, that, that those who are listening um, would would find comfort, hope, uh, and that you would refresh and renew people one day at a time to seek to love and seek to worship you and seek to offer their sa- their sacrificial service to a, um, to a cold spouse um, as an act of love and worship to you. Um, would you be kind, Lord, in bringing your transforming work to each heart, we pray. Amen. Amen. As always, we like to post uh, an article or a resource of some kind after we do a podcast. And today, uh, there was a fairly obvious one to do, which is called Thriving in a Failure to Thrive Marriage, which is a talk that Julie Lowe gave at our 2016 annual conference. It really takes a, a similar approach, a similar topic, and it goes deeper as a, a 45, 50-minute talk can do. Uh, we keep these up on our website, ccef.org podcast, uh, and it'll be free until the next episode goes up. Questions are welcome, uh, podcast at ccef.org. Until next time, blessings.